Hey listeners, welcome back for episode 2 of Talking Plays with Playwrights. Thank you for your feedback and subscription from episode 1. This episode, we continue the conversation with Lucian playwright Kendall Hippolyte. Let's get into it. I know that you wrote the play when you were in Jamaica studying. Yeah. And a lot of the drama festivals had staged the play. And and the play is written in Jamaican dialect. Dialect, yeah. As a Lucian, when you returned home to St. Lucia, I want to know how it was received then and, and if you had... Um, any backlash or anything of the sort then, in terms of the language? Not, not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, I, mean, I, I did it home first. I didn't make it in 75. And then I did it home. I was home for a few months, 77, 78. And I did it in, in 1978. Mm-hmm. And um, no, it had, it had a... I think we, we, did, we did a weekend, I think a whole weekend, um, in a, you know, the, the, the Castries Town Hall, as it was then called. Right. Um, it was a... a kind of a traditional venue for, for, for theater. And the reaction was really, really powerful, really, really engaging. I had a, I had a really, really powerful actor doing, doing, doing the role of Jack, you know? Mm-hmm. And pe- people just absorbed it. Not everyone necessarily understood all the nuances, all, all the vocabulary, but mm-hmm. this was nothing strange to them. And also keep in mind too, um, I mean, people, I mean, this happened in Barbados and Trinidad and Unity. And one thing that Caribbean theater groups mm-hmm. put on productions from all over the world by and large all in English but different kind of modalities different mm-hmm. kind of modes of English so to speak and people take it in mm-hmm. people watching TV and films you know from time people speaking a different kind of English to them and, and so on you know. so 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 the the, 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 the Jamaicanness up to a point of it I didn't I don't think I don't I don't know that posing a problem. I don't remember anybody saying right. that we couldn't understand this or, or that cause of it, you know? Um, really and truly, you know. Um, I did it again in, um, in a group of some of them in the 80s. Mm-hmm. And I was experimenting more. I was using ropes. And yeah, I, I, was, I, was, kind of, I was kind of playing with, with, the, um, with the, 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 scene, the scenic geography and, and motifs and so on. I was mm-hmm. using... The idea of nets and netting and that kind of thing. I was using that more. So, but by that time, I, I you know, I, I, I wanted to sort of experiment more. Message, message is message. But by that time, I was more interested in a way in experimenting with it theatrically because I find mm-hmm. it hard to to that. So, um, no, I'm, I, honestly, Janelle, I'm, I'm not aware of anybody saying about the language um, causing a, a problem, really and truly. Mm-hmm. But on that note, I'm curious about something because I know. When, when you write, you mm-hmm. have a, a, a vision in mind. You probably kind of picture the, the play coming together on stage. Have there been instances where it was staged and what you saw was not what you, you had in mind? I think I've only seen one production mm-hmm. of this play, apart from those I did, apart from the okay. three times I did it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I've heard, about, I've heard about it being done here and there. Uh, people tell me yeah, they will, et cetera, et cetera. I've only ever seen one production of it. Um, but the first thing I should say is um, I'm a playwright, but yeah. I'm also a director. And in some ways, I consider myself more of a director than a playwright. You know, I've, I've directed far more plays than I've ever written. Um, so as a director, I, I know that um, when, when you have a script in your hand, 
you will you will go with you should yeah you should i mean you you you, you should go with the the division the, the you know the the, the the visions that you play call up in you as long as you can justify what you're doing in terms of the characterization etc in the text yeah. in terms of the staging of it how you do it you really should go with that so honestly i yeah i mean you're writing a play and because 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 i'm involved in practical theater i will visualize i will hear up to a point but i don't i don't expect to and in fact i would prefer not to see anybody put on <laughs> what i had realized at the time no yeah, surprise me take it do what you want with it you know I tell people, if you're doing a play of mine i honestly prefer if you just if you really want me to come in and you know and, and and talk with you and so on, fine, be, be wild and take, fine. I don't even like to do that in front of actors. Mm. I do that just me and the director. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I mean, sometimes, yeah, you go over that. Um, I pref- I'm very happy for you to just give me a, give me a ticket to come on the opening night, and mm. I go. Is either I trust you as a director, or mm. I don't. If I don't, and you ask me to, I'll tell you no. But if I tell you yes, then it really had nothing to do with me until opening night. Unless you check me, call me about something, and you want to talk, okay. but that—that okay. that is how I will do it. If any playwright, if, if any playwright give me a play of his or, or her, or her mm-hmm. yeah, that is how I deal with it. Don't come stand over my shoulder and tell me what to do. Exactly. Right. Yeah, because it's in your hand. Sonia says here, uh, I like the use of the poetic in the voice of the narrator and the mythic symbolic space of the snake. There is a yeah. sense that the drum maker Jack is singing his song to the narrator and the narrator is singing it to us, the audience. The boy, in a sense, is the first discipline of Jack. So that through your writing, you have kept alive a real person. Thank you. How do you negotiate keeping alive this struggle for a new way while living and working in a capitalist system? I just think of it as um, three step forward, two step back, or five <laughs> step forward. Four step back. Mm. I don't. I don't have a fundamental doubt so far. Uh. I do have a fundamental doubt that things are that things are evolving towards something better. Um, and and this is not. Yeah, I mean, you could say it's the evidence of history. You have to go back to. You have to go back. You know, if you have to go back to to, to the nineteen thirties, um, you know. Labor, labor insurrections and so-called riots, labor rebellions throughout the Caribbean and, and the changes that came out of that. Um, the, 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 the thing like um, the, the acquisition of, of, of adult suffrage, um, the, the person in St. Lucia, for example, who, who secured adult suffrage um, um, for St. Lucia is like a, a, a kind of a distant relative of mine, trade unionists. Um, there, there's a sense in which the gains have been slow and very hard fought for, and mm. very hard won, and they're in danger sometimes of slipping away, and sometimes they do slip away. But to me, overall, overall, it still seems to me that there's been, there's been an evolution, and, there, and there's always, and to me, there's still the possibility of, of um, the, the, the phrase I keep telling myself all the time is, the impossible is impossible. Mm-hmm. Until it happens, mm-hmm. yeah, that's what I'm saying. All, 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 all the big social revolutions, etc. Sometimes the people themselves who were right there, so they were the most surprised that wait, this this thing actually happened, you know. And then and then they're struggling to catch up with it. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't, I don't give up 
hope that a new, a new type of society in the Caribbean is possible. I mean, we, we, we know I was tried. I don't know, I don't know how, in the, how closely you're connected with, with the facts of that. We know I was tried or, or something was tried in Grenada in 1983. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of progress was made, which you don't, again, mainstream media don't put that out. You know, they, they, they put out in 1983, American invasion and what happens in them, so on, so on. But there was progress made. And, and those, those seeds don't die. They don't die. They can't die. Mm -hmm. You know, the whole... The, the, the whole, the whole um, climate change, the whole climate change phenomenon, and, and, and the resistances that have begun to happen around and the dialogues and discussions that are taking place around it. For me, I think of all that as a, as a wedge in, is a wedge in the system. If, to me, if anything can break this system open, is the climate change movement. Mm. Honestly, honestly. Yeah. Uh, so I, do, I don't give up hope. So how do I negotiate it? I don't lose hope. Also, I suppose that there's a sense to in which if I stop writing, if I stop trying to do theater in one, one way or another, li li life would just get too, too gray, too dead, too, you know, I can't, I, I can't live so dead, you know? Mm -hmm. So I don't, yeah, so, so to me, it's always, it's always a juggling and a balance. And you know, sometimes you're on the downside of it. That's, that's yeah. just how it is. But you're, you kind of have the faith, or I have the faith that, and I'm going to be on the dumb side all the time. Mm -hmm. So for those CSAT students um, studying the play now, you had a specific message in mind when you wrote it back then in the 70s. Was that message, that takeaway, that you want them to have by the time they read the entire play? That the, I'm, I'm thinking about it now. <laughs> mm -hmm. That the, the society mm -hmm. that, that they're living in it's not fixed. It's not unchangeable. It's not, you know, it's, it's not like the, the so-called Ten Commandments that, you know, it's supposed to be there forever and ever and ever. Mm -hmm. But the society that we're living in now, no matter how, how constraining it appears to be, yeah. it is not. Mm -hmm. As, as Kamau say, it is not, it is not. It, it is, is not, not, it is not. It is not enough. It is possible to change it. But first, you have to study it. Just let me say this quickly. I found that was easier to do. Right here around me, maybe just me. I found it was easier to do, to, to try to understand why is it as it is? And how is it put together? And so on. I found that was easier to do in the 70s because there was a whole vocabulary or, or sets of vocabularies, in fact, that analyze society in those kind of critical terms. I mean, mm -hmm. whether, whether it was directly Marxist or offshoots of Marxism, you know, mm -hmm. um, or, or black nationalism in one form or another, and some of the vocabulary that came out of that, you know. For me, I'm, I'm finding, I mean, this may be just me, I'm finding that I'm, I'm, I don't know quite what the vocabulary is now that is... Mm -hmm general enough, wide-ranging enough, appealing to a wide enough cross-section of people. Mm -hmm. The vocabulary that all kinds of groups of persons in society can share to analyze what the ASS is wrong with this society. Mm -hmm. And therefore, where are the weak points to start to change it? Yeah. But it's possible to change it. But first, you have to understand how it is and why it is as it is. Mm -hmm. You have to understand that first. And then... If you believe, you know, you believe first of all that it's possible to change, and you're understanding that, you know, you begin to understand how and why it is as it is, 
then you start to link up with who and who. Could be one person at a time, one group at a time, two persons at a time. You start to link up with who and who is of similar mind to actually want to change this, and you start the action. Um, you know, whether you're in Barbados, Trinidad, wherever, dread as it's looking, you don't have to stay so. It's not, it's not eternal. Not eternal, you know, it could change. You're enjoying the episode. We're glad. But remember, tell your tribe so they can join the vibe. And locked on to Talking Plays with Playwrights, the Yeda Combos. And what, it, what, it, what is interesting too that you said that if everybody if everybody just has that one mindset to make the change it can happen yeah. mm-hmm. yeah. me back to the speech by you because he was saying oh no, we need to keep essentially this system in place and everybody was applauding but what was interesting is that the people who the system is oppressing were yeah. applauding and it took me back to the politicians they yell and they scream and they use all of this colorful language mm-hmm. but Beneath that are those little things that keep that system in place. So, Jack, Jack, Jack has a way to put it. Jack, Jack said, like, we, we all sing in one song. You see, a white sing lead and yeah. black sing chorus. Those that sing in the chorus, their ambition is to lead the singing one day. Yeah. And that is part of how it keeps going. People think that they will rise up in the system, but the, the nature of the system is such that everybody can rise in it. It depends on it having a whole set of persons down there. That is the only way it can continue. And there are consequences too. That's, some people can see through the system, but to actually move against it, there are consequences. Now, remember earlier I told you to remind me to ask you about movements. Yeah. So what type of genre would you call this type of theater? And then the movements, the body-centered actions, the transition, as well as the movements that are, are body-centered. Right. So, so what type of genre would you call this type of theater? And then specifically movements rather than acts. So the movements thing, I, I said earlier on the answer is simple. I didn't know what else to call them. Because, <laughs> I mean, if, if, I, if I went by, because I mean, I, you know, I, I, I was studying dramatic literature at the time. You know, right. I was stuff, you know, um, um, and the, the traditional definitions or understandings of what constitutes an act, and it's, and it's time-related, a one-act play is of a yes. certain a two-act plays of a certain length, a full-length plays of a certain length, and so on, so on, so on, so on. Within an act, we'll have certain scenes, etc., etc., etc. I it wasn't feeling to me that I was trying to write a one-act play. Or, honestly, I was just putting things down. I was just honestly, I was just putting them down. Yeah, and some of the scenes are dialogue, and some are more related to movement and so on. Um, I used to dance. I, 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 I think, I think the fact that, that there's movement and music and so on because mm. I used to drum. Um, I used to fool around a little bit, you know, um, guitar and that kind of thing at one time, but I'm always to drum and I, I, I used to dance. Um, up until my, my second year on, on, on campus, I was still, still dancing. And even when I stopped, I choreography something that I was always, I've always been attracted. And it's always been clear to me that in theater, the body communicates, even when, when there was there, so without the body inside, Without, without the body coming from inside and going into the words. Yeah. The, the words, you know what I'm saying? So to me, mm-hmm. that's, that's, it's, it's just axiomatic. But also, yeah, I mean, yeah, because I used to dance and, and anytime you, you're, uh, you're writing a play, um, is any play you're writing, seems to me, offers a chance to experiment. I didn't think about what label I would call this, what genre it belonged to, 
I call them movements because I didn't know what else to call them. I, I, it's, it's, the answer may be unsatisfactory, but that, that's, really, that's really what it was. Yeah, we have a question here from Marjorie, and she asks, how important is dissent in the drum maker? For me, crucial, because the, the, the main character himself is a dissenting character. He, he dissents from the general, he dissents from the, um, from the norms about what a society should be. From the norms about how power is supposed to operate in a society, the the, um, the narrator's journey is a journey towards dissent. It's a, it's a journey towards using, you know, from Jack's example, questioning this clash between Jack's Jack's standpoint and the overall, you know, mainstream standpoint. And when he comes towards the end of the play, he dissents. You know, now within within the play itself, you see, the thing is always interesting. You know. Within the play itself, even like, okay, so it's like there's a scene where they're, 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 the, the two women, there are two women, two women waiting for, for two fellas to, to, to come and meet them, for them to, you know, go and have a good time. So while they're waiting, Jack kind of starts talking to himself and talking out loud, etc. And then they're startled. And two of them responding to him. Two women, one of them, I, I think it was woman two, I think it's the second woman. The, the first one is a, is a, is a, is a you know, she's mainstream, down the line. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All have a good time, follow the norms. Blah, 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 blah. The other one, who is the one who's actually having a more difficult time in society, actually? The other one is actually intrigued by what Jack is saying and is beginning to ponder the questions that he's, that he's asking, even though she doesn't mm-hmm. have the answer. You know? So she is, there's a seed of dissent, if you like, that's been planted in her, or maybe it was there, it was there already. But has begun to be nurtured in her by what he's saying. So to me, the dissent is 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 crucial um, in 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 the play. The, the, the play is the, yeah, the play is a trajectory about not taking the last bus and just going home, not taking it, doing something different. Even if you're sure at first what it is, but don't do the normal thing. Do something different. Uh, another question here from Sonia. One of the questions of the play is, what is the value of your talent? So can you sell your drum? Uh, how can you use theater beyond the marketplace? Okay. So beyond the marketplace, beyond the city, etc. Right. Okay. Um, so there's there's internal value. There's external value. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the, the terms are kind. Of, the terms. The terms are are, are too simple. But here, here, here to me, uh, I think first principle um, for me is like I said earlier on. Um, a gift is a gift, right? A gift you're, you're you're born you're born with this thing. You didn't go out and try to scramble to to try to make yourself into you know getting this particular talent or getting that particular talent. I'm talking about artistic gifts at the moment. Right? Yeah. You're born with it. Everybody born with a gift, you know. Coming up next week, we sit down with Trinidadian-born playwright Zeno Obi Constance as he discusses his play, The Ritual. This is one show you don't want to miss. So stay tuned to Theatre Convos. I, I wish I had the gift of really working in wood when I watched what carpenters and joiners could do. You know? Everybody born with a gift. So there's that internal aspect of it. Not something that you strive for. It's internal, whether you develop it or not. You're born with that. That's a given. Because you're born with that, ideally, that has to be valued that has to be honored mm-hmm. now whether honoring it valuing it means working with it developing it whether that goes to the point that crosses that that external line of you actually being able to be recompensed for it 
you know, actually receive money for it. That, that, that's a whole set of other questions. Mm -hmm. but, but first of all, I'm, I'm just starting the first bedrock thing, that that gift, whatever it is, has to be honored. Okay. Um, there is the issue, it's a huge issue, that really developing this gift, particularly certain kinds, kinds of gifts, and, and in theater, um, theater is, is one of those, if you're a director, you're an actor, that kind of thing. A playwright may be up to a point and you can write a play and hopefully somebody will produce it, or maybe nobody will. I mean, I know of a really good playwright who has written how many plays that have never ever been done. Um, <laughs> but, um, but if away from like a playwright, pretty much all the other aspects of, of, of theater involve a coming together of persons, involve getting a space, involve bringing in resources of all kinds to be able to create this experience which was created with an audience. That takes money. Now, putting in that developing, developing the gifts of those in director, actor, et cetera, et cetera, um, giving it the kind of time and attention it needs for it to develop really and truly. If you're doing a full-time job that does not involve this, the chances of you developing it to the heights that it could reach are uh, small. Mm -hmm. Not saying it's impossible. I've seen people do it. Not saying it's impossible, but the chances are small. So you really, yeah, you do want, and, and artists do have to fight for, and, I, and ideally audiences as well should be brought into the fight for artists being recompensed for their labor, yeah. you know, for their labor. And what an artist does with his or her labor, there's a, there's a limit to how much you can tell them what to do with it. So whether, whether it just goes out into the marketplace as street entertainment, um, or whether it goes out into the marketplace as entertainment plus, because theater has to be entertaining. Eh? I don't you know, if theater not entertaining, and you know, I'm using the word very broad set, if theater not engaging you in all kinds of ways, making you laugh when you and so on, if theater not doing that, then it's not theater, yeah, we have something else. You know, so whether an artist decides, a theater artist decides, you're going to use that gift um, in the marketplace mainly or purely for entertainment, or whether they use it for entertainment plus through entertainment to have audiences engage with these questions and issues. That's an individual decision. Nobody can force that on you. But whether an artist should be compensated for doing that, yes, they should. Yes, they should. There's no doubt in my mind about it. Um, that's, a, that, that's a kind of question where to me, persons other than artists, hmm. other than artists, that's a battle that they have to take up along with the artist, supported by the artist, informed by the artist, but that's a battle that they have to take up so that getting the resources for the thing and getting... Um, and, and, and getting, and, and getting um, the, the money for the artist thing. They have to take that up and try to make that become a more of the norm in a society that you know when you go and you put on something, you gotta be scrambling around here and you get a, you know, a couple hundred dollars there and a couple hundred dollars there. And you know that when you, you put on your thing, you're not just depending on gate receipts alone to get paid, but that there is a fee that can come to you and can come to the persons that you're working with too. Ideally, that is what it should happen. So. Yeah, so to me, you, you, want, you want the value on both sides. But it's, it's, it's not the artist's battle alone. At all, at all, at all, at all. 
And I'm, I'm grateful for the few persons I know of who have tried to fight that, that battle. Hey tribe, you know you can't keep it to yourself. You must tell a friend. Are you guys following us on Instagram or Facebook? Remember to do so at Theatre Convos to find out more information about theatre practitioners in Barbados and around the region. Well, it has been a very interesting evening discussing the drum maker with you, Kendall, your insight, the backstory, us trying to weave the story together. Kendall, you have any closing words for us? It's mixed feelings. I mean, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know when I was writing the play, 20, you know, when I was 23, uh, 37 years old, or so, many years ago. I didn't know when I was writing it then that I would find myself, first of all, that I would end up on, on, a, on a syllabus. I didn't know that I'd be talking to persons from different parts of the Caribbean and the world, you know, um, about it. Mm -hmm. So I feel humble is too cliche a word, but I feel I feel kind of funny and small. I'm very very glad, you know. Really, I'm 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 moved. I want to say thanks to all of y'all who out there who are asking the questions, who reading, or I want to say hail up everyone who who involved in theater, whether it's as an audience, because without audience, you're not really a theater. You're a drama. Exactly. That's true. Um, so everybody, I, I say here because everyone, everyone keeping this thing going, this thing going. So blessings, blessings, blessings. Give time. And yeah. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to our very first Talking Plays with Playwrights featuring Mr. Kendall Hippolyte. And we discussed his play today, The Drum Maker. Thank you guys for joining us and stay tuned to another Talking Plays with Playwrights. Thank you for tuning in to this second part of the first episode of Talking Plays with Playwrights. Next week, we sit down with Trinidadian playwright Zeno Obi Constance as we discuss his play, The Ritual. Remember, share it with your friends, share it with your family. Like us at Theatre Convos. See you next week.